Chapter Forty of Dope. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Dope, by Sax Romer. Chapter Forty. Coil of the Pigtail. The inner room was in darkness, and the fume-laden air almost unbreathable. A dull and regular moaning sound proceeded from the corner where the bed was situated, but of the contents of the place, and of its other occupant or occupants, Carrie had no more than a hazy idea. His imagination supplied those details, which he had failed to observe. Mrs. Monty Irvin, in a dying condition, lay upon the bed, and someone or something crouched on the divan behind Carrie as he lay stretched upon the matting-covered floor. His wrists tied behind him gave him great pain, and since his ankles were also fastened, and the end of the rope drawn taut and attached to that binding his wrists, he was rendered absolutely helpless. For one of his fiery temperament, this physical impotence was maddening, and because his own handkerchief had been tied tightly around his head, so as to secure between his teeth a wooden stopper of considerable size which possessed an unpleasant chemical taste and smell even speech was denied him how long he had laid thus he had no means of judging accurately but hours long maddening hours seemed to have passed since with the muzzle of sinsinwa's mauser pressed coldly to his ear he had submitted willy-nilly to the adroit manipulations of mrs sin at first he had believed in his confirmed masculine vanity that it would be a simple matter to extricate himself from the fastenings made by a woman but when rolling him sideways she had drawn back his heels and run the loose end of the line through the loop formed by the lashing of his wrists behind him he had recognized a chinese training and had resigned himself to the inevitable the wooden gag was a sore trial and if it had not broken his spirit it had nearly caused him to break an artery in his impotent fury into the darkened inner chamber sinsinwa had dragged him and there carrie had lain ever since listening to the various sounds of the place to the coarse voice often raised in anger of the cuban jewess to the crooning tones of the imperturbable chinaman the incessant moaning of the woman on the bed sometimes became mingled with another sound more remote which carrie for long failed to identify but ultimately he concluded it to be occasioned by the tide flowing under the wharf the raven was silent because imprisoned in his wicker cage he had been placed in some dark spot below the counter very dimly from time to time a steam siren might be heard upon the river and once the thudding of a screw propeller told of the passage of a large vessel along limehouse reach in the eyes of mrs sin carrie had read menace and for all their dark beauty they had reminded him of the eyes of a cornered rat beneath the contemptuous nonchalance which he flaunted he read terror and remorse and a foreboding of doom panic ill-repressed which made her dangerous as any beast at bay the attitude of the chinaman was more puzzling 
he seemed to bear the chief inspector no personal animosity and indeed in his glittering eye carry had detected a sort of mysterious light of understanding which was almost mirthful but which bore no relation to sinsinwa's perpetual smile carry's respect for the one-eyed chinaman had increased rather than diminished upon closer acquaintance underlying his urbanity he failed to trace any symptom of apprehension this sinsinwa accomplice of a murderess self-confessed evident head of a drug syndicate which had led to the establishment of a home office inquiry this badly wanted man whose last hiding-place whose keep was closely invested by the agents of the law was the same sinsinois who had smilingly extended his wrists inviting the manacles when carey had first made his acquaintance under circumstances legally very different sometimes carey could hear him singing his weird crooning song and twice mrs sin had shrieked blasphemous execrations at him because of it but why should sinsinois sing what hope had he of escape in the case of any other criminal carey would have answered none but the ease with which this one-eyed singing chinaman had departed from his abode under the very noses of four detectives had shaken the chief inspector's confidence in the efficiency of ordinary police methods where this chinese conjurer was concerned a man who could convert an elaborate opium house into a dirty ruin in so short a time too was capable of other miraculous feats and it would not have surprised carey to learn that sinsinois at a moment's notice could disguise himself as a chest of tea or pass invisible through solid walls for evidence that seaton pasha or any of the men from scotland yard had penetrated to the secret of sam tuck's cellar carey listened in vain what was about to happen he could not imagine nor if his life was to be spared in the confession so curiously extorted from mrs sin by her husband he perceived a clue to this and other mysteries but strove in vain to disentangle it from the many maddening complexities of the case so he mused wearily listening to the moaning of his fellow captive and wondering since no sign of life came thence why he imagined another presence in the stuffy room or the presence of someone or of something on the divan behind him and in between these dreary musings broke an altercation between mrs sin and her husband keep the blasted thing covered up she cried hoarsely tingling wanchy catchy bleathy sometime crooned sinsinois oh hello croaked the raven drowsily smartest 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 leg you catchy sleepy tingling murmured the chinaman mrs sin no likey you palaver lo burn it cried the woman burn the one-eyed horror but when carrying a lighted lantern sinsinois presently came into the inner room he smiled as imperturbably as ever and was unmoved so far as external evidence showed sinsinois set the lantern upon a moorish coffee-table which once had stood beside the divan in mrs sin's sanctum at the house of a hundred raptures a significant glance 
its significance an acute puzzle to the recipient he cast upon chief inspector carey his hands tucked in the loose sleeves of his blouse he stood looking down at the woman who lay moaning on the bed and chee he crooned softly you hate no catchy die my beautiful you sniffy plenty too much white snow hoy hoy very bad woman it'll make ye catchy die but since in wa no hate got for killy chop topside pigeon no good enough lo his thick extraordinary long pigtail hanging down his back and gleaming in the rays of the lantern he stood head bowed watching rita irvin because of his position on the floor mrs irvin was invisible from carrie's point of view but she continued to moan incessantly and he knew that she must be unconscious of the chinaman's scrutiny hurry old fool came mrs sin's harsh voice from the outer room in ten minutes ah fung will give the signal is she dead yet the doll woman she hate no catchy die murmured Cincinwa. she's still very beautiful she it was at that moment that he spoke these words that seaton pasha entered the empty building above and found the spaniel scratching at the paved floor so that as Cincinwa stood looking down at the wan face of the unfortunate woman who refused to die the dog above excited by seaton's presence ceased to whine and scratch and began to bark faintly to the vault the sound of the high-pitched barking penetrated carrie tensed his muscles and groaned impotently feeling his heart beating like a hammer in his breast complete silence reigned in the outer room sinsinwa never stirred again the dog barked then hallo hallo shrieked the raven shrilly number one police chop low sinsinwa sinsinwa there came a fierce exclamation the sound of something being hastily overturned of a scuffle and sinsinwa croaked the raven feebly the words ending in a screeching cry which was followed by a sound of wildly beating wings sinsinwa hands tucked in sleeves turned and walked from the inner room closing the sliding door behind him with a movement of his shoulder resting against the empty shelves he stood and surveyed the scene in the vault mrs sin who had been kneeling beside the wicker cage which was upset was in the act of standing upright at her feet and not far from the motionless form of old sam tuck who sat like a dummy figure in his chair before the stove lay a palpitating mass of black feathers other detached feathers were sprinkled about the floor feebly the raven's wings beat the ground once twice and were still sinsinwa uttered one sibilant word withdrew his hands from his sleeves and stepping around the end of the counter dropped upon his knees beside the raven he touched it with his long yellow fingers then raised it and stared into the solitary eye now glazed and sightless as its fellow the smile had gone from the face of sinsinwa my ting-a-ling he moaned in his native mandarin tongue 
speak to me my little black friend a bead of blood like a ruby dropped from the raven's beak sinsenwa bowed his head and knelt a while in silence then standing up he reverently laid the poor bedraggled body upon a chest he turned and looked at his wife hands on hips she confronted him breathing rapidly and her glance of contempt swept him up and down i've often threatened to do it she said in english now i've done it they're on the wharf we're trapped thanks to that black squalling horror chee chee hissed sinsenwa his gleaming eye fixed upon the woman unblinkingly he began very deliberately to roll up his loose sleeves she watched him contempt in her glance but her expression changed subtly and her dark eyes grew narrowed she looked rapidly toward sam tuck but sam tuck never stirred old fool she cried at sinsenwa what are you doing but sinsenwa his sleeves rolled up above his yellow sinewy forearms now tossed his pigtail serpentine across his shoulder and touched it with his fingers an odd caressing movement oh laughed mrs sin in her deep scoffing fashion it is for me you make all this bubbery eh it is me you are going to chastise my dear she flung back her head snapping her fingers before the silent chinaman he watched her and slowly slowly he began to crouch lower and lower but always that unblinking regard remained fixed upon the face of mrs sin the woman laughed again more loudly bending her lithe body forward in mocking mimicry she snapped her fingers once again and again under sinsenwa's nose then do you think you blasted yellow ape that you can frighten me she screamed a swift flame of wrath lighting up her dark face in a flash she had raised the kimono and had the stiletto in her hand but even swifter than she sinsenwa sprang once twice she struck at him and blood streamed from his left shoulder but the pigtail like an executioner's rope was about the woman's throat she uttered one smothered shriek dropping the knife and then was silent her dyed hair escaped from its fastenings and descended a ruddy torrent about her as she writhed silent horrible in the death coil of the pigtail rapidly at arm's length he held her moment after moment immovable implacable and when he read death in her empurpled face a miraculous thing happened the blind eye of sinsenwa opened a husky rattle told of the end and he dropped the woman's body from his steely grip disengaging the pigtail with a swift movement of his head opening and closing his yellow fingers to restore circulation he stood looking at her he spat upon the floor at her feet then turning he held out his arms and confronted sam tuck was it well done bald father of wisdom he demanded hoarsely 
but old sam tuck seated lumpish in his chair like some grotesque idol before whom a human sacrifice had been offered up stirred not the length of loaded tubing with which he had struck carry lay beside him where it had fallen from his nerveless hand and the two oblique beady eyes of cincinois watching grew dim step by step he approached the old chinaman stooped touched him then knelt and laid his head upon the thin knees old father he murmured old bald father who knew so much to-night you know all for sam tuck was no more at what moment he had died whether in the excitement of striking kerry or later no man could have presumed to say since save by an occasional nod of his head he had often simulated death in life he who was so old that he was known as the father of chinatown standing upright cincinois looked from the dead man to the dead raven then tenderly raising poor tingling he laid the great dishevelled bird a weird offering upon the knees of sam tuck take him with you where you travel to-night my father he said he too was faithful a cheap german clock commenced a muted clangour but the little hammer was muffled cincinois walked slowly across to the counter taking up the gleaming joss he unscrewed its pedestal then returning to the spot where mrs sin lay he coolly detached a leather wallet which she wore beneath her dress fastened to a girdle next he removed her rings her bangles and other ornaments he secreted all in the interior of the joss his treasure chest he raised his hands and began to unplate his long pigtail which like his blind eye was camouflage a false cue attached to his own hair which he wore but slightly longer than some european and many americans with a small pair of scissors he clipped off his long snake-like mustaches end of chapter forty recording by john brandon